The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Lloyd, today our show is about visual hacking. And that's a privacy concern as well. But let me tell you, we have two of my very wonderful friends and friends favorite experts in the field of privacy. They've been on my show before. Lori's been on for many, many years. Patty's been on. And I just want to tell you about them because they are just wonderful mentors for me and just great people. So let me first tell you about Larry Poneman, who is the chairman and founder of the Poneman Institute. And he also is the chairman and founder of um Well, I can tell you about the Visual Privacy Council, so I'll tell you a little bit about him as far as being chairman and founder of the Poneman Institute, which is a think tank dedicated to advancing privacy and data protection practices. Uh, Larry is considered a, a pioneer in privacy auditing and the Responsible Information Management, or the RIM, framework. He's also the chairman of the Visual Privacy Advisory Council, a panel of privacy and security experts representing major businesses and government entities dedicated to raising awareness and attention to the issue of visual hacking. And his website is poneman.org. And along with him today, we have Patty Titus, who is VP and CISO, C-I-S-O, of Freddie Mac. And she has over 22 years of security management experience in the high-tech industry. Patty has been responsible for maintaining robust IT security programs and ensuring continued protection of sensitive corporate and customer data in various positions. Most recently, Patty played a strategic role in protecting Symantec's IT resources, infrastructure, and information assets, as well as drove internal security initiatives. She's also a member of the Visual Privacy Advisory Council, a panel of privacy and security experts representing major businesses and government entities dedicated to raising awareness attention to the issues of visual hacking. And I'm just so pleased to be able to sit on this council with them and learn from both of them. They are fantastic. So thank you both for joining us. Thank Thank you, Mary. Okay, so let's start out with Larry. Larry. Visual privacy and visual hacking are really big emerging issues in data security today. How do you define some of these terms? Let's start out with visual privacy. How do you define that? 
Well, you know, it's the privacy issues from a point of view, literally. I mean, you know, what you see is what you get. So, for example, visual privacy could be um, keeping information safe and secure and protecting it from the, you know, the roving eyes uh, on your on your laptop or on your tablet computer or even on your mobile phone. Keep it private, it's yours. And, you know, when you're sitting on an airplane next to someone and they're looking at the stuff you're, you're working on, that could be a big privacy violation. But it could also involve things like, you know, observing documents and desks in, in offices, you know, the old-fashioned clean desk requirements where you lock things up and keep it out of public view. Well, that could be a big problem. Or it could be something like Google Glasses, for example, not to pick on Google, but, you know, again, there is a, quite a bit of, it, of concern around the privacy implications. So it's really the privacy and what you see um, the things that you can learn from other people that you really don't have a right to know about, all of those issues are kind of embedded in this concept of, of visual privacy. Exactly. So what about visual hacking? How would you define visual hacking? Oh, that's kind of the yin and yang, right? So you have the, the concept of privacy, and then we have the concept of insecurity. Visual hacking is where prob probably a bad guy, or certainly not a good guy, decides that they're going to collect information about you, the individual, or about your company. And they're going to do it by basically sitting on an airplane and watching what you do on, a, on, a, on your laptop computer as you're working on a long flight. Or you could be looking at documents that haven't been shredded or sitting on a desk in public view. Um, so hacking is the concept, as we know it, of bad guys collecting information that can ultimately be monetized to them or cause a lot of harm or a combination of the two. Right. And people really forget about that. They're always thinking about just their computers. But I just remember so many people telling me they became victims of identity theft when they found stuff just, you know, that was thrown away in, in a wastebasket. So that's visual hacking too, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's all part of the same thing. It's You know, we, we spend so much of our time and resources, and I'm sure Patty will echo this thought, on electronic records. We're kind of giving short shrift to all of the paper documents and all of the information that can be visually obtained. So it, it, it is, in fact, a problem, and it has been a problem for a long time. But I think the bad guys, the, the dangerous insiders working with the external hackers, see this as a goldmine opportunity to see sensitive and confidential information. And there are, we're starting to see the emergence of cases where you have this combination of an internal bad guy and an external bad guy and the internal guy is collecting information like, you know, how to hack your organization, obtaining potentially confidential information that gives them proper authentication capabilities. So, you know, that visual part of the privacy equation or the hacking equation is very important. Even, even such things as someone taking a picture of you someplace when you're at a party. Is, is visual yeah. hacking, right? Or, or t doing a video of you when you're walking down the street, or even when we think about all of the surveillance cameras that are at work and other places, that can feel like visual hacking. So w tell us about this visual privacy console, advisory console. I'm on it, and I think people don't know what, what that is all really about. Why don't you tell them why 3M even put that together? Well, I think this is one of those areas in the privacy domain that has unfortunately been um, overlooked many, and I think we realize that this is an important issue that needs to be addressed, 
through smart people like you, Mari, and Patty, and basically dealing with these issues with the tools that we have, or the tools that we need to have that haven't been invented as yet. And I think the 3M, our sponsor, is basically being benign <laughs> and, 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 and remarkably helpful and giving us the opportunity to really make a difference. Um, because the goal of our visual privacy advisory committee, our entity, is to basically create awareness about this problem and then hopefully make recommendations that can improve the state of visual privacy. Yeah, you know, just when we visited there and the, the incredible inventions that they have there, and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of excited to be able to use my, my privacy screen on my laptop and, and on my phone. Those are kinds of neat things and, and something that can kind of protect you when you're on an airplane or on a train or whatever. But, Patty, sure. let's talk about, Patty, if um, any experience that you might have had with visual privacy or visual hacking Sure. So, um, you know, I, I traveled a lot when I was um, with one of my former companies, and, and I like to travel anyway a lot for um, pleasure reasons. And uh, I, I remember one particular time when I was at an airplane, on an airplane and I was watching movies, and I noticed that um, the person behind me, when I got up to use the ladies' room, I, I left m- the movie going because I'd watched it a few times, and I... I thought, I don't really want to watch this. And, and um, I had stood up, actually, and I turned. Of course, I should have locked my screen up. But I noticed that the person behind me was looking through the gap in the chair <laughs> and watching my movie. And so, you know, I quickly went back and shut the lid. And, um, and when, I, when I landed at the airport, I marched right into one of those tech stores and bought one of those uh, screen savers or screen protectors, and I put it on my iPad immediately. And it was, I was hap- happened to be at an airport catching another flight. So when I got on the next plane and I brought my laptop up, the guy sitting next to me said, hey, that's really weird. I, I can't see your iPad. And I thought, wow, how many people actually do this? And I said, yeah, I have a privacy screen on it because I'm tired of people watching the movies I've paid for because I think that's kind of one of those FBI things right, right. You know, when the notice comes up. So uh, for me, that was very personal, and I thought, wow, how many times have I been on an airplane or, or doing something in a public space where somebody could have visually hacked me? And I didn't even know it. So that was kind of a forever experience that changed my, my mentality. And, and actually, I, I have said that to my family members and friends about, you know, people hacking. So it's pretty interesting because some of my nieces and nephews are younger. And so when I tell them about these privacy screens for their smartphones so that no one can see what they're doing, they kind of think, oh, I could do something, and my mom wouldn't know I'm playing Candy Crush <laughs> for the millionth time. <laughs> exactly. How about you, Larry? Do you have any incidents that uh, that you'd like oh, to share? Gosh, no. I've I've had uh, you know similar stories where you know I'm working normally it's like in an airport lounge, and I just feel like someone is like right behind me, and I turn around slowly. Yeah. There's someone just looking at what I'm working on, and I'm thinking, who are these boring people? You know why? Look at your own screen. Yeah, and you know, even even like uh, if I'm in a conference room, 
I was in a conference room and I was um, mediating and I had people all around me. And, um, you know, I, I, I could see that one of the attorneys right to the right of me was trying to look at my screen. And uh, luckily I had my privacy screen on because I had sensitive information from the other side that I, that I wanted to see, but I didn't want that attorney to see because it was confidential to me. So I was thinking, how I'm really glad that I got this from 3M. <laughs> yeah. right. I was really That's glad that I didn't have to, yeah, because I could just see his eyes, and, and he, he didn't say anything like, why can't I see your screen? I just, because just, as soon as I looked at him, he looked away. But um, I could tell that it was, like, probably very frustrating that he couldn't see my screen. <laughs> but, um, you so, know, there are yeah. some interesting cases, too, that have emerged recently. One is a case, and I forget exactly the exact details, so be careful here, but... It was um, a, a large bank in Pittsburgh, I think PNC, and one of the employees who resigned and joined a competitor, before she resigned, she was taking photographs of screenshots of customer records. And she was in, like, Ooh. a high-wealth business unit. Yeah. So, like, one customer is, like, tens of millions of dollars of revenue. Mm-hmm. And she was taking pictures, and someone stopped her. It isn't at all that she's standing at a terminal taking pictures, like, one, one record at a time. Wow. It, it happens like that. That's... Those little events can create nightmare situations for companies and for people. Yeah, exactly. So, Patty, you know, you've been with big organizations forever. How are these organizations, how are all these types of organizations really responding to the threat of visual hacking? Well, so first of all, some of them aren't even aware of it. So, there, as you know, Mari, there's no standards um, like there are for so many other security and privacy um, things that we need to protect against, there is really no standards for this. And so some organizations aren't really taking it as serious as they need to, which I think is why we're all together on the Visual Privacy Advisory Council. Um, Those organizations that do recognize that this is a problem, um, they're doing several things. One is they're educating their employees um, some of them are heavily regulated institutions like financial institutions, and they actually have policies about distances that you can stand next to another person, like the tellers in a bank. Right. Um, and then others are, are going that extra mile and actually purchasing screen protection, screen savers, or uh, screen filters for their uh, employees' devices. So... Um, this is a pretty serious problem for a lot of institutions that have highly sensitive or highly confidential information. And so, you know, it runs the gamut. Some are doing some, you know, some are doing really great at it and some are completely ignoring it or just aren't aware of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about when I have to stand in line to get a prescription, I'm like back about 20 feet, so I can't, you know, for HIPAA. But then you go to your doctor's office and, you know, yes, they have you sign in and, you know, you, you don't see your name, but but then they have files sitting out. So, I mean, it just it just is so inconsistent. It's crazy. It so, is. Patty, so what are some of the main barriers to protecting sensitive information that are, you know, that's being displayed in public places? What are some of the barriers besides maybe the privacy screen? Well, so I think some of the main issues are getting, first of all, getting people to recognize that, um, that this, is a, this is a problem. And 
and actually doing something about it. So we've got all of these. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know about what where other people work, but we're really moving toward toward that open floor plan. Oh, yeah. So you know, we have to con- constantly be thinking about that. Um, and so they're they're taking down like those those little. Cubby holes, yeah. Yeah, the cubes. Yeah. Um, We're moving more into this open floor where we can collaborate and share information. And when events happen, people react quickly. And and it's it's really there's a lot of good reasons to do that. And the bad thing is that it is exposing more visual privacy and more visual hacking, even by our own employees who were really careful about controlling access and creating groups for um, people in our companies to say, well, if you have this role and you're in finance, you get access to these financial applications and you're the only one who can have them. Um, What we're not doing is thinking, okay, but you're in this big open floor space, so even though you've locked your systems down, you're controlling access to the applications, you're not taking it that extra mile and protecting against the visual part of somebody just walking past. Maybe it's the cleaning crew and the person sitting there working on sensitive financial in- information. Um, and so I, I think that those are some of the main barriers to to protecting that data. Right. Larry, so how do visual privacy needs and awareness really vary from industry to industry? Because I know you work with so many different industries. Right. You know, we've been looking at um, kind of the, the different potential cases of visual hacking or visual privacy abuses, generally speaking. And one of the things we observed is that, as Patty mentioned, the organizations that are more likely to have that open floor plan don't have the barrier of a wall or cubicle, and you're kind of sitting next to your neighbor, which is all good and all good for productivity and free to core people like it. The problem is you increase the risk that you know a bad guy or a nosy guy yeah. <laughs> is going to be able to see information that they're not authorized, and that could be the start of a big problem. So that's, that definitely seems to vary by industry. So financial services, you know, companies that... Uh, are in media, like a Bloomberg, also, or bond trading uh, floors or uh, re, uh, investment banking environments, these are really susceptible to data leakage because uh, from a visual privacy, visual hacking perspective, because of that open floor plan. But this might be true in, in, in other areas as well. Defense contractors, interestingly enough, a lot of engineers, the people who are doing like the design work for new jet air, aircraft engines and and, and uh, atomic weapons <laughs> or whatever, right, right. They, they, they are doing it in an open floor plan as well. So it does vary by industry, but industry isn't the only variable of consequence. Mm. And then, of course, you know, the same thing with, with the uh, medical industry. It's, that's also, oh, right. yeah, that's, that's a big place for it. And, and the legal industry, it's, it's a little bit different. I think, unfortunately, the, the legal industry seems to be far behind in terms of, yeah, they know that they're supposed to protect and keep things confidential, and I think people who are, um, you know, in the legal industry who are in intellectual property will have a little bit better clue about this, but I think as far as uh, the rest of 
the um, all the other fields of law, I, except for financial industry, I think they're really far behind. So, Patty, you know, you are an IT and a security expert. So, what should IT and security professionals have in their toolbox to combat this kind of visual hacking and maintain the visual privacy? So, I think the first and foremost is recognizing it, and then looking at capabilities through um, like the 3M uh, filters that you can put on your devices. Um, sometimes it's just a matter of looking at how the, the um, floor plan is set up and by slightly aligning your, um, you know, where the monitor goes on your computer, you can, or on your desktop, you can actually help that way too. Um, depending on, you know, there's always budgetary constraints for so many people. Right. Um, and, and I think one of the really most critical parts and why I'm excited to be on the Visual Advisory Council, the Visual Privacy Advisory Council, is because there's an educational component. Um, if you, you've got to teach people to think and, and be responsible and accountable themselves. And so ensuring that you've given them the right education gives them a tool in their toolbox, not just when they're at work, but that they take that with them as they leave the, the place that they work and go out into the world in their digital life that they're paying attention and thinking about protecting where am I even having a, um, you know, looking at my iPhone, am I standing in a line and somebody's shoulder surfing me? To just be aware, uh, you know, situational awareness is probably the most critical part. So I think from a, a professional piece, you've got to update your security awareness training to include this piece of it and start educating the people that are around you. Yeah. Patty, so what about um, visual privacy policies? I know that that's really important when you're talking to IT and security professionals if they have a policy to follow. So um, what, what kinds of challenges must they overcome when they're doing these policies? Well, so I think the first thing is everybody's so used to waiting for there to be a standard before they write a policy. Right. Sometimes the uh, legal department or human resources will say, well, that's going to impact our employees and there really isn't a standard and you're, you know, sure it sounds really important, but prove to me that, you know, someone's actually done this. Give me the research. Um, that's where I always go to the Poneman <laughs> <Poneman> website. <laughs> um, but, there, you know, everybody, you know, wants, doesn't want to make things overly onerous for the employees. And sometimes, actually, you're dealing with unions, so you have to take that into consideration. Uh, what are the impacts that might, may have to get union approval? And so those are some of the, the, you know, the things you have to overcome in your business is, all right, how can I do this? Um, if you've got the policy, how are you enforcing it? You know, I like to kind of stroll around and look to see who's following, you know, the lock your keyboard and, you know, so you, sometimes you have to do a little self-policing. Um, and when you're looking to roll out this type of a change to your, um, your employees and your customers, um, because really I feel like anybody who takes a service from IT is a customer, um, that the important part is to 
communicate and create communications to go out to your employees, not just that you're rolling it out, but why. You know, what is the problem that you're solving and how are you protecting them? And so, um, you know, giving people the biggest benefit um, is making sure that you look at what market you're in and say, is this something that's going to really help my company? And so, do I have a lot of people that travel? Do I have a lot of people that are remote workers that come in or maybe they go to a telework center? Uh, or I've got developers that, you know, maybe go to a cyber hive and hang out there. Or people that you just know that they just can't put those devices down. They're always working. And maybe they're sitting in Starbucks on the weekend having their morning coffee while they're working. That's where you really need to start thinking, what do my people do? What is the market I'm in, right? So if you're in financial services or on those heavily regulated institutions, you really want to be able to say to your regulators, we're, we went above and beyond, and we're doing this additional step by training our people, um, having folks use the screen filters, and um, making, and then we police the area to make sure people are actually doing it. Yeah, it's perfect. And, you know, just bringing that to the conscious level like you were talking about, if they have it at a conscious level, then even if they are sitting at the Starbucks or wherever they are, they're going to be more cautious. So, Larry, um, what benefits does upholding visual privacy provide to businesses? I mean, sometimes they think, like uh, Patty was just talking, it, it becomes an economic issue. Well, do we do we really need to spend the money on this? Or, well, do we want to deal with the unions, like Patty was saying? Is it really worth it? So how do they start to see, and we have a lot of businesses driving by here. We, we have our own little Silicon Valley here in Aliso Viejo. So we are, we are in the midst of businesses that have to be thinking about this kind of stuff. So how do you tell them with those benefits, Larry? Well, I'm not sure I have the answer exactly, but let me just talk a little bit about what we observed in some of our research. Number one, um, anytime you deal with smart people uh, and, and good people in the workplace, um, you know, there are steps that they can take to be more efficient and more productive. Um, that's always a good thing. Um, security and, and having better security actually, we think, can increase productivity. Let me give you an example. Suppose that you have an organization of working on long flights between, you know, Washington, D.C. And, and LAX, and someone sits next to you, and they're snooping, and they're looking at your screen. It's, again, a, um, a person that's very cautious, and you want to do the right thing for your company. But guess what you do? You put away the work, right. <laughs> and you do what Patty did. You watch a movie. Right. And you're losing all of that productive time in that airplane you're worried that some of their confidential information is going to leak out. And I know it sounds kind of like a far-fetched idea, but we find that people tend to be more productive when they feel like they're operating in a sphere of control. In other words, they're not worrying about someone behind them taking a photograph of their screen, um, uh, that, that uh, they feel like they're, they're able to operate at a higher level of productivity, which translates into real savings, real dollars for an organization. Yeah, they and can course, stay focused, I, right. Yeah, the secondary issue, Mari, is just the security it creates. You know, you, if you make people aware and they don't do, people do stupid things and they're not doing as many stupid things, 
you're more likely to prevent a hacking event that could be have significant negative consequence to an organization. Think of, think of it this way. Even if it's a low-probability event, it just takes one visual hacker to steal a crown jewel piece of information from a company. Yes. That could be just devastating to that company. Exactly. Well, believe it or not, we are out of time, so that's perfect. So we want people to see all that research that you're doing at Poneman.org. Larry Poneman, who is the chair and founder of uh, the Poneman Institute and also the Visual Privacy Advisory Council with 3M. And, of course, we've been speaking with our wonderful Patty Titus, who is a security and IT expert with many top companies and we're just thrilled that both of you joined us so um patty why don't you just give us the website for the visual privacy advisory council okay did we lose her and we might have it okay we might have lost her so so it's stop visual org. that's stop visual hacking.org yeah sorry about that here i am Hello. <laughs> I thought we lost you in cyberspace or something, or, or telephone space. You are wonderful, Patty. Thank you so much. And Larry, you're absolutely wonderful and fabulous, both of you. And thank you so much, and we will talk to you again soon. So take care. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. Thanks. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.